Now my mic is on. What's going on, everybody? It is yours truly, TJ Jones. And thank you very much for tuning in to another edition of the Unapologetic Podcast. And uh, if this is your first time checking out the Unapologetic Podcast, thank you so much. This is live, man. So y'all seen me uh, plugging up my microphone because I realized that, honestly, I was just basically talking to myself at that particular time. <laughs> but um. Flying solo today on this edition of the Unapologetic Podcast. And uh, there's a lot of things in the world that we need to discuss, a lot of things that I want to talk about. Uh, August has been a really good month for yours truly, man. I mean, I've been, man, I've been really grinding. And honestly, I'm kind of exhausted, man, but I'm a good exhausted. You know, like when you really feel like you're, you're putting your best foot forward to make your dreams a reality, that's kind of what i'm on right now you know I, I just made up in my mind that i am just going to really really uh put the foot to you know what I'm saying put the, the foot to my faith and and a pedal to the metal and uh you know honestly august has been uh one of the best years of my life and i know if you're probably looking at the title of the unapologetic podcast it says 2020 is it the worst year ever and uh you know even the the the, the topic is <laughs> throw 2020 in the trash because it just seems like it's just one tragedy after another in 2020. I mean, one tragedy after another, man. Um, just found out that uh Chad Chadwick Bozeman died. Um, that that was just so awful, man. Uh, so I was just finishing up doing a podcast. Uh, I was on a Saints podcast. Some of you probably know, you know, I do a, a, a sports podcast as well. But I was doing a sports podcast, uh, shouts out to my guy CB, and we were just finishing up. And uh, one of his co-hosts actually just informed us that Chadwick Bozeman died. And I'm like, there's no way. There's no way. First off, I didn't even know anything was going on with Chadwick Bozeman. I, I didn't. Uh, you know, the fact that I found out that he actually died of colon cancer was just a shock. And not just to me, but to a lot of people. And the thing about Chadwick Bozeman, you know, that made him so remarkable was he wasn't one of those guys that wanted to be a victim. You know, like some people, they get sick and they want the whole world to feel sorry for them. They they parade themselves around sometimes, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? They want the world to, you know, get, give them sympathy or whatever. But Chadwick Bozeman wasn't like that. You know, like he continuously worked throughout the entire time i mean he was diagnosed with stage three uh colon cancer uh in about i think yeah 2016 and he continued to work uh you know and unfortunately the, the cancer started to uh become more aggressive and he went stage four and you know it, it just took a turn for the worse and we lost one of the best actors in hollywood notice i didn't say black actor we lost one of the best actors in hollywood chadwick bozeman was definitely on the rise uh he was one of those guys that a lot of people considered now i will put him in a category of being black but people considered him to be the next denzel washington i did you know i, I really thought that chadwick bozeman uh reached his stride i mean we know about some of the uh, biopics that he was actually in you know he played jackie robinson he played thurgood marshall he played james brown man shouts out to a lot of uh, the people that I actually went to college with, man, that were actually in that movie. My guy, Rob Demery, you know, Rob Demery was actually in that movie. Uh, Sierra, uh, you know what I'm saying? Shout out to Sierra. 
I mean, just a countless of you know people that I knew were actually in that Get On Up movie. So I mean, the fact that I I, I envy them, you know, what I'm saying <laughs> because they had an opportunity to actually be you know up close and personal with this guy. Everybody that talks about Chadwick Boseman says that he was an incredible guy. They, they talk about how humble he was. They talk about how you literally had to pull uh, him away from um, people that walked up to him and wanted to, you know, put their, you know, their hands across the chest and, you know, to symbolize Wakanda forever. Like he was so embedded into, you know what I'm saying, that those roles and, and how they affected people. And, uh, you know, I just got a lot of uh, doggone respect for that guy. You know what I'm saying? And it's unfortunate because he was actually one of one of my favorite actors out. You know, like I, I can remember, like, this is so crazy. A couple of days ago, I was actually riding in the car by myself. And, you know, I, that, that, uh, the James Brown character actually popped into my head. Like, the, I think the scene where uh, uh, Chadwick Boseman, you know, when he was playing James Brown and I guess like Mr. Bud. You know what I'm saying? Him and Mr. Bird had a falling out and he came to uh, Mr. Bird's house to give him two tickets to his concert. And I was just thinking like that, that, that scene just popped into my head, like how just, you know, embedded he was into that character, like him walking down the street with all the rings on his finger and, and looking like a 1970 pimp. And, and I mean, just completely just allowed James Brown to take over. That guy's going to be missed, man. 43 years old, gone way too soon. And I posted on social media. I said, it's crazy. We lost what a lot of people considered the next coming of Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant early in the year. And we lost the guy who was considered to be the next Denzel Washington later on in the year. And it's crazy because, you know, those two guys would have made an impact, you know, for the culture, you know, for 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 African-Americans, man. You know, you talk about, you know, Kobe Bryant and what he meant to just the world in general. And, and it, it was the same way with Chadwick Bozeman because he actually crossed over. You know, he played some famous African-American roles, but he crossed over when he became King T'Challa in the Black Panther. He crossed over. So there's one thing that is really bothering me and I feel like the media needs to stop it. I'm, I'm saying stop it right now. They're calling him a black superhero. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't consider Chadwick Boseman when he played King T'Challa a black superhero. He was a damn hero. He was a superhero. That's who he was. Okay. Because even though we as black people, um, if you have sons or you have daughters, you know, the whole kind of experience, showed them a different perspective than they probably would normally see when it comes to African-American roles. That is true. A young boy watching Chadwick Boseman play King T'Challa in the Black Panther. Yeah, he probably think to himself, I can be a superhero too. But there are so many people around the world. I mean, that movie grossed over a billion dollars. So he was a superhero to those people too. He was a superhero to the Asians. He was superhero to the Hispanic community, the white community. This guy was a superhero. And I feel like we got to be very careful. Look, I understand he is black and he was a superhero, but we got to be very careful to, you know, minimize uh, the impact that Chadwick Boseman had when he played that role. So I get it. I understand it. 
but he was a superhero to me and i'm not looking at his color he was a superhero he was a real true superhero come to life and it just was a uh you know an extra cherry on top at the fact that he actually that he actually uh looked like me you know like but you know i mean i actually literally literally got off the uh the stream we were talking after uh we actually did the podcast i'm talking the podcast i did last night and i was just so bummed out at the fact that chadwick bozeman died i mean i i mean honestly i i just i just had to wrap it up man you know what i'm saying I, it was just it, it 2020 to me had, had just been one hell of an experience okay i mean it just seemed like it's just one tragedy after another you know starting with you know the death of david stern if you're a basketball fan or the death of kobe Bryant and, and gianna and and nine passengers on on aboard that helicopter then we had the coronavirus you know what I'm saying then people lost their jobs and then we had like all of these different uh situations that happened with amar aubrey and jacob blake and uh you know george floyd like it just seems like it has just been one disappointment after another and uh you know i'm just ready for 2020 to be over you know like honestly i'm just ready for it to be over and yes there are some bright spots you know in, in 2020 some things have happened i'm pretty sure um some people can look at some silver linings in these dark clouds but just the impact of what 2020 is man it just it just just has been one of the uh one of the worst years man i can just remember and i was talking to my wife uh before you know uh, she went off to work today shots out to my wife she's actually at work right now as I, I make this podcast but we were just talking about you know is 2020 the worst because we were discussing chad with bozeman and the death you know in his death and uh she was like well let's not just say 2020 is just you know a horrible year you know there are some good things that happen i mean you know we got married and you know what I'm saying a few weeks ago you know like things like that like th those are positives but just the impact of the people that we lost i mean i feel like we're going to be affected by their loss for years you know the, the only thing i can really think about it and the, the crazy thing about it is is the death of michael jackson you know what i'm saying like michael jackson his death was one of those that kind of stand out and i feel like people still just can't believe you know like i, I feel like these are the moments that we are never going to forget as long as we live you know regardless you know when we just when we move from uh the year 2020 we're still going to remember those moments and man i'm just so i'm just so bummed out folks I'm, I'm just bummed out i just don't know i just don't know how to feel right now because I, I really did uh think very highly of chad with bozeman and it's unfortunate man the world lost something that i don't feel like can be replaced uh you know i feel like this guy was one of those guys that uh we were we really uh needed he was he was necessary in this world and you know sometimes life is not fair uh, sometimes we lose uh some of the best people in the world you know what i'm saying and they 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 leave us so soon but you know sometimes i feel like the, that's the way god uh plans things that's the way he does them um you know he put people in our life for a short period of time uh for us to recognize their greatness and um also be able to when they when they leave here we're able to look at those people um for the works that they did you know and chad with bozeman kobe bryant 
uh, you know, among so many others, you know, have uh, have really touched our lives. So rest in peace to Chadwick Bozeman. Uh, my heart goes out to his wife and his family, you know, they're dealing with this tough time. And, um, you know, may God bless you all during this time of bereavement. Uh, we move on to the NBA. Um, the NBA, uh, we already know, uh, they had a boycott a couple of days ago. Uh, they're actually going to play a playoff game. But a couple of days ago, we didn't know if they were going to play a playoff game. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks uh, actually started uh, the whole boy boycott by not coming out to play the Orlando Magic. Uh, I think on Thursday, uh, they decided to stay inside the locker room and, and postpone the game. You know, they were willing to forfeit the game in order for them to uh, bring attention uh, to the shooting of Jacob Blake. Um, he was shot seven times in Kenosha, Wisconsin uh, by a police officer. Um, if you watch the video, uh, you see uh, Jacob Blake walk into his car and a police officer uh, shot him in the back seven times. I mean, these situations keep happening over and over again. And uh, we're steady trying to find solutions. We're steady trying to find solutions to these problems. What is really going on in this world? What is really happening in this world, man? Why is it that we keep on seeing these videos of guys getting shot in the back? African-American guys, uh, you know, getting gunned down at the hands of the police. You know, what? what is really going on? Like, what? why is it that, you know, police officers just can't understand uh, that you just cannot shoot and kill unarmed african-americans i mean i just don't get it part of me does get it part of me don't get it the part that gets it is the fact that i feel like they're afraid look i feel like a lot of police officers are afraid of black people yeah i said it i just feel like they're afraid of black people because they don't understand black people and, and you know i just don't think that we understand each other too you know it's not just a, the fact about police officers not understanding black people black people don't understand white people uh, white people don't understand Hispanic people. Hispanic people don't understand white uh, white people and vice versa because we are not in the same communities in most cases and we are not trying to have conversations. We find out about one another through the media. We find out through one another through movies and cinema. That is how we find out about one another. We do not talk uh, to one another about each other's problems and what people's gripes are when it comes to their culture. Like if you look at a black person, nine times out of 10, they probably have very little interaction with someone of the opposite race. White people the same way. And they allow outside influence to tell them the narrative. When you're going into these communities, if you're a cop, you already made up in your mind. If, if you're staying in this community, nine times out of 10, you know, you're probably a bad person. Not all cops I'm talking to right now. But there's a stigma in certain areas that you live. You know, growing up in New Orleans, you know, uh, there was a stigma about the Desire Projects. You know what I'm saying? I live close to the Desire Projects. There was a there was a stigma about the Florida Project and Press Park. You know what I'm saying? Right, right across the street from the high school I went to, George Washington Carver High School. They, they had stigmas about these places. You know, if you were found in these places, you were labeled. There was no there was no doubt about it. And I know there are some great people that came out of these places, man. Press Park, uh, Florida, the desire. You know what I'm saying? Like these are the places that I know for a fact there were some great people came out of there. 
but they suffered because uh, you probably had some people out there that weren't, weren't uh, doing the right things. So the police profiled them. I can't tell you how many times, you know what I'm saying, I'm walking home from school and the police just pull up, you know, just pull up or whatever like that and ask me where I'm going. I mean, th these things, it happened, you know, and, and that's the thing. We need to start having conversations. We cannot just feel like we just have the whole open and shut case on the communities. You know, and I get it. You know, there are some bad apples in these communities. And for that, I feel like that's the reason why the police actually act that way towards African-Americans. But I don't want to be profiled. I don't. I don't want to be profiled. I don't want to be one of those people that get arrested or shot down because I fit the description of somebody that looks like they're going to break the law. I mean, it doesn't feel good. I remember when I first came to South Carolina, some of you probably heard me tell this story, but I, I rolled up to the, the, the light place to get my lights turned on. Right. So I get in there, you know, and at the time, you know, I got a Mississippi driver's license and the lady asked me, you know, saying for that information, I gave her my driver's license after I filled out the application to get my lights on. And then all of a sudden she asked me to go sit down, right? Go sit down. I'm not thinking anything of it. Then a few minutes later, four police officers come into the light place. And all of a sudden they just start asking me questions like, who are you? Where are you from? Like, and I'm like, well, I just moved here. I just came up here to get my, you know, get my lights turned on. And he was like, well, give me your ID. But I looked in his hand and I noticed there was a paper that had my driver's license on there. It was a copy of my driver's license. I said, well, you know who I am because you got a picture of my driver's license in your hand. So he turns around and tells me, he says, we're going to find out who you are. And they, the, the reason why this happened to me was because the lady that was behind the glass who took my information, she mistakenly thought that I was a guy that actually robbed a bank in a city called Conway, South Carolina, uh, a couple days ago. And I guess the guy was on a run. And on my driver's license at the time, I had dreadlocks, which I don't have anymore. And a guy who robbed the bank had dreadlocks. But, I mean... It's needless to say that I wasn't the guy. So she just apologized. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But I just think about that in my mind. At the time, I didn't because I was so focused on trying to get my lights turned on. I didn't really think about it. But I think about that from time to time. Now it's like, dang, you know, like what would have happened if those guys would have really thought that I was the guy that robbed the bank and they would have came up and their guns are blazing. And I really don't know what the hell was going on. I could have lost my life that day, you know, and, and I, I can't help but to feel embarrassed and cheap and, and just think about the fact that what if I would have died that day? What if, you know what I'm saying? What if my life would have been extinguished because somebody mistakenly thought that I was a guy that robbed the bank? But this is, these are countless stories that are being told in the black community. And I get it, white folks. You know, I get it. I get it. You don't want to hear this. Like, oh, man, I don't want to hear this. Like so much progress has been taking place. So much progress. Yes, that's ha they had progress that happened. I'm not going to say that they didn't. A lot has changed since uh, Lyndon Johnson signed the Civil Rights Act. A lot has happened. But at the same time, man, we cannot pretend like people aren't being profiled. We cannot pretend like 
the police think that they have the full story on African-Americans. We cannot pretend like some of the stories that you all read about African-Americans don't cause you to walk on the opposite side of the street when you see an African-American or clutch your purse a little tighter or if you're a guy, clutch your woman a little tighter. But we, we have to start having these conversations, man. We got to stop being afraid to feel uncomfortable. We feel so uncomfortable around each other. We feel so uncomfortable because we feel like, well, if I start to really tell this person how I feel, then they are going to want to jump on me or they're going to label me. We got to start having these conversations and we got to stop being afraid to have these conversations. We got to stop being afraid to, to tell people how we really feel. And we need to completely undress ourselves in order for us to have these conversations and see where each other is coming from. But as long as we continuously not have these conversations, as long as we continuously act as if one person is complaining and the other person is right, or you all have everything and, and you're acting like you have nothing, as long as we continuously feel this way, we're going to continue having the Jacob Blakes and, and the George Floyds and the Ahmaud Aubrey's. We're going to continue to have these, these issues. We cannot solve these problems if we don't step up and start having these conversations. And I, I once again, back to the NBA, I applaud these players. I applaud Giannis, George Hill, the rest of the Milwaukee Bucks basketball team, Middleton. Uh, I, I applaud LeBron James for being a, a guy who takes his, his star power and, and takes it in order for him to create change in the community, for building a school, you know, the I Promise School out there in Akron. I applaud him for that. I applaud people like Damian Lillard. I applaud people like uh, Avery Bradley who decided not to go into Orlando because he wanted to fight uh, for some of the issues that are going on. I applaud these guys. I applaud the, the NFL for making videos and, and bringing attention to it. Uh, some people in particular, uh, New Orleans Saint, uh, Malcolm Jenkins, Demario Davis, Benjamin Watson. I applaud those guys. I, I mean, but is to me, it's not really their responsibility. It's not really their responsibility in order to create change. They can use their platform to bring things to, to light. I get it. But I feel like we need to start holding these politicians accountable. And I'm not just talking about the president of the United States. I, I get it. We, we don't like Donald Trump. In some cases, some of us love Donald Trump. When, when Obama was in office, some of us liked Obama. Some of us didn't like Obama. But a lot of people don't understand that the president only has so much power. What we really need to be looking at is some of these politicians that have been career politicians and have been in D.C. for 30 plus years and have done absolutely nothing to create change in the community. For the people that we just constantly vote for due to nostalgia acts. I think about people like, no disrespect to him, but people like Benny Thompson, who've been uh, in Congress for I don't know how long. I mean, I think since like the early 90s, people like, uh, you know, people like Nancy Pelosi, uh, Chuck Schumer, you know, people like that who have been around forever. And now, you know, so all of a sudden they want to come up here and act like they really understand and, and they are concerned about what's going on in these communities. Well, I would say to you, 
that you had ample opportunities to create change in these communities. You had opportunities to go out here and really go hard in the paint for these communities. But what you did was you chose to be a career politician and toe the line. Maybe somebody promised you something or maybe you just had a fear of possibly not being reelected. But we cannot live our life in fear. We cannot live our life in fear. We cannot go. We cannot go out here and think that we are going to live up to all of our potential being afraid. We have to be fearless. And I feel like a lot of politicians are not fearless. They are panders. They pander, they pander to us. They tell us what we want to hear in order to get our vote. They'll parade our favorite actor or our favorite uh, recording artist. They'll parade them out there in order for us to like be like, oh, man, you know what? Man, I seen Cardi B talking to him. Oh, I seen uh, Beyonce talking to him. Oh, I seen Jay-Z talking to him. They, they cling to our heartstrings and they, they cling to our emotions and they try to get our vote. But in reality, they don't give a damn about us. And like I said, it's not a, it, I'm not, you know what I'm saying, so much trying to be right or left or anything like that. I'm just telling you the truth. These people that have been on the floor, the ones that are arguing about different bills in order to turn those bills into laws, these people had the opportunity to create better gun control. They had opportunities to bring jobs into our communities. They had uh, opportunities to make sure that police relationships with communities could be better. But they chose not to focus on those things. And let's not pretend like these things just occurred. It just didn't start with Trayvon Martin. I mean, we can go back to Rodney King. If you want to go back to, uh, even further, we can go back to, you know, to the days of the Civil Rights Movement. When John Lewis was getting his head cracked in for trying to board a bus and trying to integrate the Greyhound bus systems. This has been going on for I don't know how long. And we actually acting as if these people didn't have the opportunities to do it. And I, I'm sorry, I cannot accept, oh, I want to make this happen, but the, the, the people on the other aisle are stopping me from doing that. Well, if you know that's, that's the case and you've been in there for 30 years, then why are you building your campaigns on those type of promises if you know that you have an op the opposition is going to going to stop you from achieving that particular goal that you're setting out? So honestly, you're telling people what they want to hear in order for you to get elected. And we really need to start looking at this, folks. We really need to start looking at these politicians that only put signs in our front yard. And that's the reason why we vote for them. They don't do anything for us except put their signs in our communities. So when you go to the polls, their name will be on your mind. So you can just put the first the button in order for them to be reelected. Let's really start taking responsibility for what's going on in our communities. Let's really start uh, holding these politicians accountable and make them live up to the promises that they're giving us. Because if we don't, then we're bringing the same people back in there that are going to create the same problems for us. Let's stop with the, the career politicians. Let, let's cut it out. And that's why I am really pushing for term limits. That is, that is what I really want. I want term limits in Congress. That is what I want. The House and the Senate... They need term limits. 
They need term limits because if you have term limits, I mean, it's least likely that you can be susceptible to accepting bribes from lobbyists. So you can filibuster the hell out of something on the floor in order to keep that lobbyist in place, to keep his business in place, to keep him from having to be held accountable for some of the things that he is that he is he, he is causing. He is causing hardship in these communities. And these people are taking kickbacks. So if we can have like four to eight years when it comes to Congress, House and the Senate and stuff like that, if we can do that, then maybe we'll have the change that we're looking for. Let's hold these folks accountable. Because sometimes I feel like we're looking at the wrong person. Sometimes I feel like we're looking at the wrong people when we really need to be looking at the other people. And sometimes they push that person that we feel like we need to be looking at, they put them in the middle of the floor and have them being scrutinized and, and, and made as public enemy number one when they really behind the scenes pulling the strings. That's just my humble opinion about it. Let's start holding these folks accountable, folks. But once again, I applaud the NBA uh, for taking a stand, using that platform. Also, the WNBA. I don't feel like the WNBA gets credit. Uh, I don't feel like they get the credit they deserve because those women have really been out there on, on the front lines way before the NBA or the NFL even got involved. We see uh, the Washington Mystic basketball team. They actually got off the plane, and um, each player had a letter uh, to represent uh the name jacob blake uh they also uh put like seven holes in the back of their t-shirts uh in red you know to symbolize uh you know the, the jacob blake man shot seven times you know so shouts out to the wnba man they, they really uh on the front line as well i, I understand that the nba is, is more popular than the wnba and i understand that the nba is going to get more press but let's not pretend like the WNBA is not going hard, uh, just as hard as the NBA. Um, we know about the protests that happened. You know, we know about the guy with the, the AR-15 uh, who came to uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin, uh, during a protest and killed two people and, and severely wounded one. And we see the video of him actually walking past the police as they rode through the scene in armored trucks. You know, and he just walked right past them and went home and they arrested him the next day. OK, they arrested him. So, I mean, I guess we got to give him credit for that. But it, the crazy thing about it is, as he was walking off, everybody was screaming to the police. That's the guy who did it. That's the guy who you need to be focusing on. This is the guy that did all this stuff to us. You know what I'm saying? This is a guy that shot down two people and they didn't even listen. You know, they got this meme that, that goes around. It's like this animated portrait of a black guy being arrested by the police and the police has uh his knee on the back of the black guy and you see the the white guy you know what i'm saying with camo on with an ar-15 on his back and you see him just slowly just walking past the police and the police just gives him the salute like hey how you doing in other words like you so focused on this black guy i think he gonna commit a crime you know what i'm saying the real guy that's about to do some damage he you allowed to walk right past you so this guy th thought that he was a part of some type of invisible militia 
you know, I guess he he started listening to some of the things that are going on. Uh, I feel like the news, they, they play a responsibility in this too. Uh, but this guy felt like he needed to go out there to go hard and protect uh, businesses that could possibly be subject to looting. Okay, keep in mind that this guy doesn't own any other businesses. He he just took it. He, he just did it out of the kindness of his heart. But there's a problem. And, and, and the problem is that people are afraid of black people. <laughs> you know, white people are afraid of black people. Police officers are afraid of black people. That's, that's just what it is. And, and the fact that they don't look at the white community as a threat. They don't. They don't look at them as a threat because if they did, then you think this guy walking down the street in a AR, with an AR-15, do you think he would have been able to go home? And let's not act like, you know what I'm saying, well, it was dark. Well, let's not pretend like these boys didn't have them big, bright-ass LED lights on the front of them tanks, okay? I mean, Ray Charles, may he rest in peace. Stephen Wonder could have seen that these guys, you know what I'm saying, that the guy, had, you know what I'm saying, had an AR-15, and everybody was screaming that this guy was the one that, that caused the damage. But and also the police officer, the, the, the chief of police, who blaming the people that were out there at the protest, said that they were out there past curfew. And if they weren't out there past curfew, then this wouldn't have happened. We don't need that type of energy. We don't need that type of energy going on right now. The fact is, these people felt like they needed to protest and people are tired. They are tired of dealing with these situations. They are tired of having to go to vigils. They are tired of hearing these same stories over and over again. And you all just want to put up there, oh, we need a, a, a curfew is, in, is intact. Well, at this particular point, F your curfew. That's the way people feel. Forget your curfew. Forget what you're telling me right now. Why should I listen to what you're saying? When you're not listening to what I'm saying, how come I got to respect your feelings when you're not respecting mine? To blame people for being out, trying to take a stand, and I'm not talking about everybody that's out there. You have people out there that were trying to take advantage of, of the of the process, you know, of the protest. They try to uh, use it to gain something for themselves. I'm not talking about them. Because we all know that the, the national media likes to shed light on the people that are out there uh, throwing glass and trying to steal things. But there are way more people out there that are protesting peacefully than people that are rioting. And the thing about it is, <laughs> which which is absolutely crazy. And this, I just thought about this. People that watch the news, right? They watch the news. And they focus solely on the people that are rioting and not the people that people protesting. And you'll say, man, these people out here, they're, they're protesting peacefully. They're protesting peacefully. Well, what about the people that's rioting? That's, you know what I'm saying? When they out there, they rioting, they causing trouble. How is it that you can, you can fix your lips to say, forget about the fact that they have good people out there it outshadows that because of the people that's riding. But you say, oh, there's good policemen out there. There are good policemen out here that, that are really doing their job. 
and you completely negate the fact that people are paying attention to the ones that are bad and they're saying that the bad the bad ones out there are making the good ones look bad so how on one hand you can understand oh man you know we don't we ain't trying to hear what you talking about but at, at the same time you want to take up for the police department how how is that that's the biggest hypocrisy i've ever heard in my entire life so you're willing the thing is you're willing to understand that okay there are some bad cops out there but there are better good cops there are more good cops than bad cops but you're not understanding that there are more positive people out there that are peaceful protesting over people that's rioting how in the hell is that possible i'll tell you why because people don't want to recognize the truth people don't want to look at themselves in the mirror people do not want to understand other people's feelings because it will cause them to have to do some soul search and people don't want to do that because the things that they hold near and dear to their heart the values that they hold near and dear to their heart would have to be questioned and we don't like to be questioned at all right we don't want to be questioned at all we we want to be we want to be right we want to be the most correct person in the room we want to be able to tell all of our friends that wasn't a part of that social media uh back and forth that i owned them that day that's what we want but we need to start shutting up and listening to one another that's 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 what's gonna solve these problems we need to shut up and listen to one another and if we walk away from the conversation like well i don't think me and this person will be on the same page but at least you understand that I feel like there's very little communication going on between people that feel different from one another. Just think about this. I mean, most of the time when, when you're on social media, you might make a point, then people might go back and forth with you. They probably have a conversation with you. Then all of a sudden, you know, you, you get to a point where you're just tired of writing each other, going back and forth, and you find yourself just trying to get the last word and you leave that conversation like well what happened well this person said this and that to me and then it's so broken up because you're so focused on trying to be correct and trying to own that person that day that's not going to get us nowhere folks if you leave a conversation and you don't remember the conversation that you had if you don't understand the person's feelings that you're having a conversation with then you just wasted 10 15 20 minutes of your time 20 minutes of your life you could have been doing something else with your life we're not going to solve any problems if we don't listen so let's start listening to one another let's start respecting one another let's start like really uh leaving uh you know say our personal feelings uh you know leaving our personal feelings to the side let's put them to the side and start focusing on the things that are important to us which is peace which is unity which it should be i don't know i don't know about a lot of people but to me i just want peace and i want to be respected that's that's what i want but folks i want to say thank you for checking out the unapologetic podcast and uh, i really do appreciate your time for those that checked it out and, and hopefully you know around this time 2021 we we're talking about more positive things uh once and once again rest in peace to chad with bozeman uh shouts out to his family man you know uh may they find peace at, in this time of tragedy 
and uh, for all the people that were affected by it, man. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that were fans of Chad Chadwick Bozeman, and um, you know, I mean, hopefully, you know, what I'm saying we we find peace and just remember the 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 moments that he left with us, the the, the happiness that he gave to us, uh, the pride uh, that he he gave to us. Uh, this has been an unapologetic podcast. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com, search unapologetic podcast, facebook.com, search unapologetic podcast, and follow the Facebook page. And also, episodes are available on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and anchorfm.com. Till next time, all I got to say is we global. Peace.